Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Everyone, buckle up. What are you doing to my car? I'm stealing your hubcaps. It's fine. I'm the new CEO. Because we're taking it to the street. What do you think makes Sesame Street so appealing to kids? I hate it. I'm Jared Hall from Entertainment Weekly, and here's what to watch on Monday, December 13th. We're counting down today's top three must-see picks from TV and movies. But first, your entertainment headlines. HBO is flirting with the idea of reviving Six Feet Under. The network has commissioned a script for a new follow-up series of some kind, but the project is in such early development that there are no writers involved at this stage and no firm concept. The only names attached so far are Six Feet Under creator Alan Ball and executive producers Bob Greenblatt and David Janilari. Representatives for HBO declined to comment to EW, and reps for Ball did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Comment. West Side Story claimed the top spot at the box office this weekend, but it wasn't all cause for celebration, as Steven Spielberg's movie adaptation of the beloved Broadway musical only collected $10.5 million from 2,820 theaters, well below the $100 million that Disney and 20th Century Studios put into reviving the story for the big screen. Another Disney movie, last weekend's box office winner, Encanto, took second place with $9.45 million, bringing its total box office gross to $71.34 million, while Ghostbusters Afterlife held strong in the top three with $7.1 million. Rounding up the top five were Ridley Scott's star-studded House of Gucci with $4 million and Marvel's The Eternals with $3.1 million, which, after seven weeks in theaters, has earned a cumulative gross of $161.2 million. Princess Diana's reign on Broadway is coming to an end. Diana the Musical will close Sunday, December 19th after just over a month on Broadway, producers announced Friday. The musical began previews November 2nd and opened November 17th after its initial run was cut short by the pandemic. Netflix also released a filmed version of the show ahead of its premiere. At the time of closing, it will have played 33 performances and 16 previews. And Anne Rice, whose vampire fiction and other stories of the sexy supernatural enchanted readers ever since her 1976 debut novel, Interview with the Vampire, died Saturday at her home in New Orleans due to complications from a stroke. She was 80 years old. For more on those stories, plus other news, reviews, interviews, and more, head on over to EW.com. All right, let's dance with our number three pick for today, All-American. It is prom night on the fall finale of the CW series, and while the gang is ready to celebrate together, Spencer finds himself fixing a mistake made by his teammates that could have some major consequences. Meanwhile, Coop bails on prom prep with patience to help Amina yet again Asher finds himself spending his prom night differently than he expected, and Olivia struggles to connect with her sponsee and make her take her sobriety seriously. 
Something tells us this prom night isn't going to end well. Although, maybe it's just this ominous promo. Will you be my date to prom? This prom's gonna be all about us. No distractions. Enjoy what's in front of you. Tomorrow isn't guaranteed. I hope y'all ready to have y'all night made. We are the chance. This is gonna be going for history books. Call that one one. Could be yet another life or death situation for the All American crew. Tune in to the CW at 8 p.m. to see how it all goes down. Number two. Today's number two pick is brought to you by the letters H, B, and O. It is the new documentary, Street Gang, How We Got to Sesame Street. The doc chronicles the early days of the groundbreaking TV institution, which began as an experiment to harness the new power of television and create a show both educational and entertaining that could reach children nationwide. With a team including TV executive Joan Gans Cooney, educator and psychologist Lloyd Morissette, Muppets creator Jim Henson, and acclaimed children's TV writer and director John Stone, Sesame Street would harness puppetry, clever animation, short films, music, humor, and cultural references to engage both kids and parents and change TV history forever in the process. With rare behind-the-scenes footage and new interviews with the cast and creators, Street Gang reveals how we all got to Sesame Street in the first place. Here's a preview. This was an experiment. Tag! You're it! No one had ever seen anything like it. I wanted to capture the family aura. Hi, Bert! Ah! 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 But I don't think any of us sat there thinking, oh my God, we're changing the world. Joan had a brilliantly simple notion. Children were watching a tremendous amount of television. So why not see if it could educate them? I love the whole idea of taking commercial techniques and applying them to a show for kids. I was convinced that it would be impossible to do. Well, fortunately for everyone, that was not the case. Street Gang premieres tonight at 10 on HBO and will also be available to stream on HBO Max. Trivia. It's trivia time. What comedy legend was the first ever celebrity guest to appear on Sesame Street? Carl Reiner, Carol Burnett, or Lucille Ball? Stick around for the answer and today's number one pick. What to Watch will be right back. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, editor-in-chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. This week in entertainment history, The Simpsons premiered on Fox 32 years ago this week on December 17th, 1989. 
Created by Matt Groening, The Simpsons originated as a series of animated shorts on Fox's The Tracy Ullman Show and officially debuted with the Christmas-themed episode Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire. The show quickly became a success, winning the Emmy for Outstanding Animated Program the following year and becoming Fox's first series to rank in the top 30 highest-rated shows for the season. In EW's first review of the show in 1990, TV critic Ken Tucker wrote, quote, The Simpsons are the American family at its most complicated, drawn as simple cartoons. It's this neat paradox that makes millions of people turn away from the three big networks on Sunday nights to concentrate on The Simpsons. The show's impact soon embiggened, of course. The Simpsons has become a ubiquitous cultural phenomenon, is currently airing its 32nd season on Fox, and stands as the longest-running scripted primetime series in American TV history. And that's not to mention its contributions to the cultural lexicon. If you've never heard the word embiggen before, rest assured, it's a perfectly cromulent word. And now let's wheel out our number one pick, American Auto. The new workplace sitcom from the creator of Superstore stars Anna Gasteyer as Katherine Hastings, the new CEO of Detroit-based automaker Payne Motors. She's got experience, know-how, and a bold vision for the company's future, which is only slightly offset by her complete lack of knowledge about cars. Luckily, her team has some of the best minds in the business when they aren't fighting, trying to outwit each other, or inventing a self-driving car that has racial bias issues. The pain executives will have to adapt to the changing times or be sent to the junkyard. And it's going to be a bumpy ride. While we think of more car puns, here's a preview. Oh, that's my Uber. I don't know how to drive. Someone bring me up to speed on this self-driving car that we are announcing. Uh, oh, baby, drive us around the block. We're calling it Baby? Seems a bit misogynistic. How is that misogynistic? Because uh, you can't call women Baby. It's not a woman, it's a car. All cars are women, everyone knows that. Well, this car is a man, okay? Figures. First car to do the driving, and it's a man. Effortless. With the name Ponderosa. Do we like it? The name isn't important. We've made advancements. Wasn't there a car that meant something bad in Spanish? There's the Chevy Nova, the Mazda La Puta, the Mitsubishi Pajero. You think these companies would hire at least one guy who spoke Spanish? <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone here speak Spanish? <clears throat> Jesus, people. Ah, this show is really steering into some uncomfortable laughs. It's also a very different type of workplace sitcom than Superstore. Here is Justin Spitzer, who created both shows on what distinguishes American Auto from its predecessor. You know, Superstore, writing a show from those characters' point of view, so those are people that are getting, you know, effed over by corporate, and Mm -hmm. corporate is sort of the antagonist. But I don't really think there are, like, bad guys, for the most part. The stories are told from their points of view. So now this is a show about these characters, points of view. They're not worse people. I think they're people that we have to struggle sometimes more to be relatable and likable because they are uh, in a much more privileged class. Right. But uh, I think that was sort of some of the fun too. You know, the, the unions are the, the good guys in Superstore. Yeah. In American Auto, the unions are the people that are making their lives kind of difficult. Well, you can see what lies down the road for these characters on the two-episode series premiere of American Auto tonight at 10 on NBC. 
And finally today, the answer to our trivia question. What comedy legend was the first ever celebrity guest to appear on Sesame Street? Carl Reiner, Carol Burnett, or Lucille Ball? Don't be a grouch if you got this one wrong. The answer is Carol Burnett, who appeared on the very first episode of Sesame Street back in 1969. 50 years later, Burnett told The Hollywood Reporter, quote, I didn't know anything about it when they asked me to be on. All I knew was that Jim Henson was involved, and I thought he was a genius. I'd have gone skydiving with him if he'd asked. Well, that is going to do it for today's episode. We'll have more news and must-see picks for you tomorrow, so be sure to follow or subscribe to What to Watch so you don't miss our daily recommendations, more of which can be found at EW.com. I'm senior TV editor Jared Hall. You can find us on Twitter at EW and at Jared Hall. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. What to Watch. Today's episode of What to Watch was written by Tyler Aquilina, edited and produced by Joshua Heller, hosted and produced by Jared Hall, and executive produced by Shana Naomi Krokmal.